Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Amen. Wow, that was fun. How many of you would like Pastor Josh to look through your cupboards? <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, watch out. What have people got in their cupboards in their kitchen? Oh, well, it's good to be here. It's good to be home. Wow, I feel like I'm home for a little bit. Uh, and it's, it's very apropos, I guess is the word to say, that I get to teach on family matters tonight because I'm part of the family. Well, let's stand for the reading of the word. I know you guys just, just got comfortable, but open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 12. We're continuing on in the series, Family Matters, and I get to preach on unity tonight. Woo-hoo. You guys sound so excited. <laughs> Matthew chapter 12, starting to read in verse 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan can drive out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I pray for an anointing to be upon me. Oh, come on, just begin to pray right now. Lord, I pray for an anointing to be upon me that I will speak forth your word in power and in might of freedom, Lord God, to communicate. I pray for an anointing upon your people right now, Lord, that they would hear your word. God, that it will go deep in our hearts, that you would break off every divisive spirit off of our families, off of our jobs, off of this nation, off of this church. God, that you would come and you would give us an anointing of unity, that our families would become stronger. Lord, that you would come and bring healing and wholeness tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Did you know that researchers have determined that geese flying together in formation will fly 70% longer? Unity matters. Doing things together matters. One of the most horrible things that can happen to a church is a church split. It's worse than death. It's worse than a building project not being finished. It divides, it hurts. One of the worst things that can happen to a family is divorce. It's painful, it hurts. Because you have pain upon pain and division that brings a gigantic hole in the hearts of the lives of marriages and family members and then all the people that surround them. You see, division is a plan of the enemy to destroy. That's how he comes in. 
that way before divorce happens, way before church splits happen, the enemy has already brought in the sign of division, the speaking of division, death, fear, anxiety, abandonment, accusations, pride, all start and end with division. Division brings isolation and then destruction, or as Jesus said, desolation there in the text. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Whoa, that's pretty heavy duty. You know, several years ago, God showed me this passage, and I was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> and then as I began to pray about what to preach tonight, the Lord reminded me of this passage that Jesus is specifically speaking to his disciples. And he's confronting the Pharisees and the people who are accusing him that he is uh, demon-possessed, and so that's how he can cast out demons. Jesus is re uh, accused by the religious leaders because they're offended at him. Where is Jesus getting this power that he can cast out the demons, but when we try and we do all of the things said in the law to do, they don't leave? Their accusations are bringing questions to Jesus' power and his authority. Their plan of the enemy is to divide, to keep the disciples from believing that Jesus is God. And Jesus gets ticked off. I love that. <laughs> He's not all super spiritual. He's like, dude, are you guys idiots? <laughs> like, that's pretty much what he's saying. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't call you an idiot? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I call myself an idiot all the time. <laughs> but Jesus very clearly identifies the plan of the enemy of division. Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. You see, I believe with all my heart that the devil tries to come and he hits the family first. He hits marriages first, because if he can destroy the marriages, then he can destroy the family. If he can destroy the family, he can start to destroy the city. If he can destroy the city, he can kill the nation. As we've seen, even in the past four years, the polarization of our media, have you ever wondered why? I mean, if you don't believe exactly what they believe, then you are stupid and you should die. That's pretty much where it's gotten to. And if you're on the other side and you're looking at the other side and you're saying, well, no, you guys are stupid and why don't you just read a book or now or, now or then, right? And you guys can kill yourself. There you go. Seriously, if you watch the media, that's how far it's gone. Why? A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If you've looked over the past 40 years, marriages have been destroyed, families have been destroyed, cities have come against each other with prejudice, uh, greed, pride, broken up whole cities, destroyed people, and now it's our nation. And if we're not careful, well, maybe it's already happened, but the church. In Springfield, Missouri, where I am now pastoring, it is a great town. And in fact, it's, its historical value of revival is phenomenal. 
and it's right now where the um, Assemblies of God headquarters is at. I mean, powerful place of the presence of God. It's the, the buckle of the buckle belt. But what I've found in the buckle of the buckle belt is greater division than ever before. As I've looked from church to church, there's been church splits upon church splits and another church down the road and another church down the road. And when you talk to people, they're angry because when they were in high school, when they were kids, their pastor split the church. They said, I don't want to deal with any kind of church like that. And their families are messed up. Their marriages are messed up. Their churches are messed up. How can that be in the most religious buckle belt of society? Because the plan of the enemy is to divide. I love it how Jesus speaks and he gives us an illustration. He says, if you're going to steal from somebody, you got to first bind up the strong man, the one in authority, in order to take what he has. Then Jesus says something very interesting. He says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering, then you're scattering. Now, I don't know if I have, have dealt with that at all in my life. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Let's move on. Oh, that's a great word, God. Okay, let's talk about uh, God's chosen servant. Okay, let's move on. Oh, the parable of the sower. That one I know. But when you think about it, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. If you're not with me, you, those people who are hanging out on the far side, you just wanted some bread, you just want to get healed and do your own life. Hey, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering the harvest, ooh, you're scattering. Here Jesus is showing us those principles that the enemy desperately wants to do. If he's not actively bringing division, then he's going to try and tie up the strong people to make them ineffective. And then he's gonna cause others to sit and do nothing while other people work. Wow, it's quiet in this place. Praise the Lord. Go, Pastor Janelle, go, go, Pastor, go. Preach it, Pastor, preach it. <laughs> but how do we do this? How do we build the kingdom of God? How do we break the plans of the enemy of divisiveness? How do we break the plans of the enemy to silence and bind up the strong man? How do we break the plans of the enemy of sitting there doing nothing, as Pastor Josh would say, chillaxing? How do we do that? Unity. Unity. It is the way that we can get stronger and stronger and stronger. It is the way that if we try to do it on our own, we can only go a little bit, but together we can go 70% longer and stronger and harder and get the greater harvest than we've ever seen before. You see, together, together, we can bring a revival around the world. I'll never forget in one of my doctoral classes, we were... We were learning about church growth. And a lot of the principles of church growth, I was like, oh yeah, we do that. Well, we do that. We do that. And then it came to the place of expansion growth. And uh, my teacher, he was a great uh, leader. He's a pastor of a mega church over 10, I think he was over at 15,000 at that time. And he was teaching us about how we should grow and expand the church and the kingdom of God. 
And I was looking, I was like, we're doing all of the right things. How come we're not growing on Maui? And I go, oh, that's what it is. It's those extensions. Oh, if we just had all of our pastors back here, we would take over the entire island. Come on, you know you've thought it before. How much money are we spending toward all these buildings and all these projects and internationally, are they really happening? And I started complaining before the Lord. This was before I started international ministries. <laughs> yeah. The Lord makes me eat my words a lot. And I said, okay, God, this is not right. If we could just stop our extensions or the ones that are taking all the money, then we could grow here on Maui. If we could just bring some of those power, strong people back to Maui, then we could take over Maui. And we could have a 15,000-member church. Come on, God. Why don't we do that? And as I began praying, God slapped me, of course. <laughs> but then he started showing me a vision. And he says, Janelle, I'm setting up King's Cathedral and chapels so that I, when, I when I move in a revival, it won't just be localized. And as I began to study church history and revivals all around the world, it's amazing to see that all of a sudden there would be like a revival fire happening in the 1900s here. And then another city over here and a revival flyer and then another one over here. But there was no consistency in it. I said, well, God, why did you pour out your spirit in, in England? And then why did you pour out your spirit all the way in Mozambique? And why did you pour out, what was that? What was that about? And he began to show me, Janelle, I am setting King's Cathedral and chapels up. Because I'm going to pour out my spirit and it's not going to just be one little city. But because I'm going to pour out my spirit in Maui, Hawaii, it is going to be a revival fire that is going to spread all over, not just Hawaii, not just the Big Island, not just the United States of America, but I'm going to bring revival fires all over the world. And I believe he's going to use us. But in order for that to happen, there's got to be unity. We've got to expose the plans of the enemy to try to destroy our lives, our families, and our church, and even our nation. So how do we build the kingdom? How do we begin to move forward in what God has called us to do? Number one, we've got to have unity, unity in our homes. You see, it starts with your marriage. Now, I know in Hawaii, I've lived here my whole life, I know most of you have two or three jobs just to pay the mortgage on your house <laughs> or rent. It's crazy. But your marriage is super important. Now, there may be some of you who've gone through divorce and you've gone through heartache and pain. Let that go. Let God heal it and become whole in him. But those of you who are currently married, you currently have a ring on your finger, fight for it work for it because it matters. It makes a big difference, not only to your marriage, but to your family and to your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and to this church and to this nation. 
You see, if we can have unity in your marriage and unity in your family, the devil can't hit that and he can't destroy the church. You see, what happens in your home has a ripple effect that can touch hundreds of thousands of people. Unity is hard work. Oh, Lord, help us. It's hard. It takes time and effort and prayer, lots of prayer. If you're not pushing towards unity, <laughs> you will break apart very quickly. If we're not with him, then we're against him. <laughs> Have you ever found that to be true? If you say, okay, you know what? We got a great marriage. It's anniversary. Let's just chill. What's in the next three days is like utter hell, right? That happens in your marriage. You think everything's happy. Husbands, you brought home a bouquet of flowers for your wife. She had a great day at work and you jump in the car to come to church. And what happens? By the time you get to the parking lot, you're ready to kill each other. It is hard work. I'm not married, so I don't got to do it yet. <laughs> so that's why those of you who are married, you better work hard, okay? <laughs> We want to relax. We want to say it's not a big deal. It's just one fight. It's not a big thing. No, it's a big thing. That's why Jesus says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Whoa, why? Because it's hard work. Unity is hard work. You know, when you look at uh, PBS or National Geographic videos, you'll notice something very interesting. When a lion goes after prey, what does he do? He freaks out the whole thing, the whole bunch of deer or whatever, right? And they're all running away. What does he do? He finds the one that is ostracized or, or limping or slow, and he grabs that one. He separates him from the pack. You see, it takes work to come together and to fight against the lion. It takes work. In your home when you're disciplining the kids, cleaning the house, trying to earn money, if he can isolate you, if he can give you fear, if he can put lies in your mind and in your heart, he's won the battle. You see, that's how the enemy works. That's why I love this video with Pastor Josh and the family. Because when you're sitting around the table, lots of stuff comes out. Because you don't know what to talk about. You're thinking about, what can I say, what can I say? Okay, let's talk about something. And then all of a sudden, all this stuff starts coming up. But these days, what do we do? We grab food and we go sit by the TV. Because we don't want to think. We don't want to deal. I'm number one proponent of that. But when your family coming together, it brings unity so that it silences the lies of the enemy. As a woman, yes, I am one, uh, and I'm proud of it. One of the things I've found as a woman is uh, we think a lot, and then we talk even sometimes more than we think. Now, men, I, I don't find that you guys think a lot. You don't, like, dwell on things and, like, rehearse and rehearse and re rehearse and rehearse. You're just kind of like, what's wrong with the woman? I don't know. Okay, let's go home. No. <laughs> but for women, we rehearse. Every look, every sigh, every stinky sock left on the floor once again. 
And we rehearse it. You know, I bet he put that on the, on the sock on the floor just to drive me crazy. How many times do I always have to tell him to pick up his socks off the floor? And there it is. There it's on the floor again. He hates me. Oh, I bet you he's committing adultery. Oh, my goodness. He has no honor or respect for me anymore. When the dude, it just got caught on his foot. And so he just pulled it off and just kept walking. Come on, men, smile at me. You know I'm talking the truth. But us women, we rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. And if we don't have a chance to talk it out, then it becomes lies. And the enemy grabs us and contaminates us. Fear grabs us. As we've known with the whole COVID thing, what is a number one proponent? It's fear. It's fear. Oh no, I'm going to die if I get COVID. Oh no, I'm going to have to be home for 10 days to rest and do nothing. There are times, can I just say I've wished for COVID? <laughs> can, can I just please get COVID for just a little bit, God, so I can rest? And then I repent. I repent quickly. Okay, I repent quickly. I don't want COVID. I don't want that junk. I don't want anybody being afraid because I got it. Ugh, hate that thing. But fear, it comes and it triggers us. And if we don't talk it out, if we don't deal with it, husbands, if you don't correct your wife's thinking, hon, I just left it on the floor. I'm sorry, I'll go pick it up right now. I love you, you're amazing, I'm sorry. Let me grab my stinky sock. Let me go wash it. I'm gonna go put it in the wash right now. Ooh, 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 that was good. <laughs> If we don't correct the thinking, all of a sudden, the lies will rule our marriage. And I tell you, after doing marriage counseling for many, many years, even though I'm not married, it's the lies that permeate and we dwell on. Men walking in isolation, it'll kill you. At your job, things happen at your job, things happen at other places and women come on to you. What does the enemy do? He's isolating you so he can destroy you. And then you're too ashamed to talk to your wife. Oh, you saw something on the internet and you're like, oh no, but if I tell her she's gonna yell at me again and it's gonna be another hour of yelling and then I'm not gonna see my kids for a week, it's gonna be horrible. Ah, I'm not, uh, it's, uh, it's okay, nobody needs to know. What does that happen? The isolation, then the enemy comes in and steals. You see, when we come together in unity, all of those hidden areas become exposed. And the plans of the enemy of division will get broken off of your life. You see, it's time for us to rise up in unity. Unity is super important. Joshua 23.10 says, one can put a thousand to flight, two, 10,000. You wonder why the enemy is after your marriage. <laughs> because you got power in your unity. You have power to cast out demons in your unity. You see, uni unity multiplies effectiveness. It also multiplies miracles. Matthew 18, 20, where two or more together in one, touching one thing, there he is. And whatever you ask in the name of the Lord, it shall be done. You see, when you come together in unity, and you pray together, you seek the Lord. Oh, miracles come. Miracles are multiplied through you. 
But thirdly, it multiplies your strength. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold strand cannot easily be broken. Marriage is important. And coming together as a family is important. Unity will drive us stronger, will bring forth miracles, will bring our effectiveness in greater measure. So how do we walk in unity? How do we do it? Well, oh, first, number one, I hope you're ready for this. Number one, walk in effectiveness. Turn in your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2. Look at verse 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the other. How do we walk in unity? Number one, walk in humbleness. Oh, it's almost like a swear word, isn't it? Humble. If like everything within you says, no way, I don't want to. <laughs> That's our pride. And pride is a huge factor, especially in arguments and in situations. Why? Because I don't deserve that. How dare they say that against me or about me? Don't they know I do this and this and this? How dare? Don't they respect me? Don't they honor me? Ooh, what is that? Pride. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Yikes. Well, pastor, you don't understand. I always, I always, they never. Ooh, ooh. What is that? Pride. Pride. That happens in our home. It happens in our church. Well, if Dr. Morocco was spiritual, he would know that I should be leading praise and worship. If Dr. Morocco heard the voice of the Lord, he knows that I should be preaching up there instead of Pastor Janelle. What is that? Pride. Oh. Secondly is offense. Yikes. Do you know what offense is? It's pride. Ooh. Because we get hurt, and it, it happens. There are stupid people, and then there are people that aren't stupid that act stupid sometimes. And don't mean to be stupid, but actually are stupid sometimes. Don't point at the neighbor next to you. Come on, we're human. Can, can I tell you a secret? <clears throat> Dr. Morocco is human. Pastor Colleen, even though she's the most sweetest woman on the planet, she's human. That means they make mistakes. That means they say stupid things. That means sometimes they get angry and a lot of times they drive bad. So if Dr. Morocco has cut you off, <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's happened a lot. So those of you who are watching online and, and showed and looked for Dr. Morocco, I apologize. That was his car. I am sorry. <clears throat> but bad things happen. But when we say, I deserve better, they should have known, I need this and I need that. That's offense. 
And that's pride coming in. And that's the enemy's way of trying to divide us. You see, when we walk in humbleness, oh, we die to pride. We let go of offense. You know what? They were probably having a horrible day. And they said things that they shouldn't have said. In your, bo- in your job, oh, yeah, you're going to have to say that to yourself a lot. Because your boss probably has a horrible, horrible day every single day. Lord, I give it to you. I'm going to walk in humbleness. Secondly, how do, how do we walk in unity? Number one, we walk in humbleness. Secondly, we encourage one another. You know, there was a Moravian revival in 1727. And uh, the church was mm, nitpicking at each other and condemning each other a lot. So the elders of the church said, this is horrible. We got to stop this. There's disunity all over the church. We got to pray. And we're going to pray for a baptism of love because you guys all hate each other. So let's pray for a baptism of love. Can you imagine? That's amazing. I think that's hilarious. Anyway, 1700s, they still had issues in the 1700s. They began to pray for a baptism of love. And they started to pray and pray. And then they started 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer because they needed a lot of love. And guess what happened? Revival started. And it broke the divisive spirit because they were loving on each other. And can I say something that's super cool? That that prayer meeting lasted over a hundred years. A hundred years of 24 hours, seven day a week prayer. That is super cool. Because they loved each other. They encouraged each other. And Jesus says, whoever is not with me is against me. What is he saying? Are you with him? Then we got to encourage him. Hey, are you a part of Kings? Wait, I think, is that a yes? There's like silence in the building. Kings Cathedral, this church. Are you a part of this church? Okay, okay, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Is this microphone on? (laughs) If you're a part of this church, then we gotta encourage one another. Hebrews 3 says encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. We got to encourage each other because you don't know what that person went through today in their job. You don't know what they've had to face in their marriage. You don't know the battles that they've had to face every single day just to be humble, just to forgive, just to let go of offense. Oh, Jesus, help me. And they need someone to smile at them and say, you've got this. You can do this. You can love your husband. You can love your wife. You can do it. That's what the church is for, that we encourage one another. You know, when we encourage one another, it breaks the power of division. Because division always starts with complaining. Oh, did you see that? I can't believe that person. Did you hear my boss? Oh, if she had anything to say. And we complain and we nitpick. What if instead of doing that, we encourage Now, we can't encourage a lot. I've had some really bad bosses in my life. 
I've had some really bad ones. <laughs> not at the church, okay? Not here at King's Cathedral and Chapels. I'm talking about before I became a pastor, okay? I worked at several jobs, okay? Leave me alone. Everybody's looking at me crazy tonight. What time is it? Okay, I got to end. Everybody's looking at me crazy. I've had some horrible bosses. A boss so bad he would swear all the time at all the people and constantly uh, put us down. In fact, I worked with my sister for a semester and she couldn't handle it. She yelled back at him and left. <laughs> That's Pastor Jamie. <laughs> yeah. She was not going to handle it. I think she almost hit him. Like, I think that's, yeah. <clears throat> but I just, okay, Lord, you put me here. You're going to help me. And I would try to find something, something nice to say about him. All the horrible coworkers, I would say something nice or I wouldn't say anything at all. I was very quiet back in those days. But encourage. You see, if you allow the enemy to use your lips, you're going to bring division. That's one of the things I love about King's Cathedral and chapels. Do we have issues? Yes. Are we people? Yes. Do we have problems? Yes. But you'll never hear a pastor talking bad about another pastor. He won't go tell you, oh, this pastor said this and this and this, and I want to hit him, and I don't want to be a part of this church anymore. No. They encourage. What if we did that here? That when you came to your seat, all the people around you, you encouraged them. What if you even did it a prophetic act? Lord, when I come into that place, give me a word of encouragement for the people next to me. That's one thing I love about Randy Hufford. He just wants to encourage. Anything he can do to encourage. What if we all become encouragers? It would break every spirit of division and would increase unity. Colossians 3.14 says, love binds us together in unity. When we love each other, when we encourage each other, we become stronger together. Last but not least... How do we walk in unity? Number one, walk in humbleness. Secondly, encourage one another. And thirdly, forgive. Ooh, that's really hard. That comes face to face with the pride thing. That's really hard to do. I love it how Peter writes, uh, and he asks Jesus in Matthew 18. You can turn there with me in your Bible. I think it's hilarious. Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21 and asks him, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? You, know, you have to remember, in those days, three times was the maximum number in a day. Three. Three. So if his brother, which you have to remember, lived with him, right? Peter, Peter and his brother Andrew were both disciples of Jesus Christ. So he had to live with his brother, with Jesus. Can you imagine what that would look like? I mean, Jesus, you know, God made flesh right there. And Peter, as we know, Peter puts his foot in his mouth all the time. And his brother, Andrew, who seems to be the one that has it all together. Like Andrew is the one who has faith. He's got the five loaves, two fish. He's like the obedient one. And Peter is not. Can you imagine both of them trying to be all holier than thou with Jesus right there and yet wanting to fight? And it wasn't like a week, because I, I could handle a week, but then watch out, me and my brother would come to blows. <laughs> 
after three and a half years of trying to be holy and righteous with Jesus right there. Okay, God, I know that the law says I have to uh, forgive them three times in one day. So I'm going to extend that. Okay, okay. So if I forgive my brother seven times in one day, then can I kill him? Can I kill him? Can I kill him, please, God? You know you've prayed that way before. And Jesus says, oh, I tell you, not seven times, but... 77 times, or some translations try say uh, 70 times seven. That's horrible in one day. But yet Jesus is dealing with us. Hey, forgiveness is not human. Forgiveness is divine. So we got to receive the forgiveness of God and say, God, I got to forgive him. You got to help me. Let's forgive him. Okay. Lord, I got to forgive her. Oh, Jesus, help me. There she goes again. I got to forgive her. 70 times seven. Wow. See, Jesus knows. Jesus was human. He knows our, our failures, our faults, how, how Peter probably drove him nuts most of the time. And yet he had to continually forgive, releasing judgment against that person who's wronged you. Allow God to judge him. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You know, that is a daily thing we've got to do in family. Daily. You've got to forgive your husband. You've got to forgive your wife. You've got to forgive your kids. Some of them are falling away from God and you get angry and frustrated and they make stupid decisions. You got to forgive them because otherwise disunity will come in. Division will come in. But forgiveness, forgiveness brings healing. It brings restoration. Forgiveness breaks off offense and pride and allows God to deal with your hurt. Even if they repent on their knees in tears. It will not heal your hurt. Only God can heal your hurt. And if we don't forgive, the division will come into your marriage. And it can be something little like socks or something gigantic. But God can heal. God can restore. It's our job to forgive. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed all across this place. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.